Open God's words to the book of Acts, as if that's any surprise. I will surprise you, though, because we're going to spend more time in the Old Testament this morning than we are in the book of Acts, but we'll spend some time in Acts. Last, last week, we wrapped up chapter 14 in the book of Acts. We started in verse 19, where Paul was stoned when Paul and Barnabas were in the town of Lystra. They took him out, they stoned him, and they dragged him outside the city, and they left him for dead. Some of the brothers gra- gathered around him, and I, I don't know, I can't help it. It doesn't say in God's word, but I can't help but think that they were praying for the situation. Paul jumped up like there was nothing wrong and walked right back into the city. Boy, you know, maybe one rock hit him in the head too hard or something because why would he go right back into the city where they tried? Well, as we mentioned last week, we really don't think they were looking for him to walk back into the city because they figured he was dead. But anyhow, then we we, we finished the chapter talking the the rest of their trip. They they follow their steps back. You can go ahead and put the, the... map up if you would they followed their i'm getting older my eyes are getting smaller or something because that map looks smaller every week i'm sure it's not but you know um they followed their steps back from they they ended up in derby after they left lister after he was stoned Uh, that that itself was about a 60 mile walk they returned to iconium antioch pergia perga excuse me perga and natalia and and then they returned by boat back to antioch and during that time, their, their visit back to those churches, they were building disciples. Uh, they had done the first step in church planting, and that was to preach the word of God. And, and one of the things that we talked about also was that it's their, their, their responsibility to live. As we say, they, they needed to walk the walk, and they needed to walk the talk. And it's a matter of integrity, um, because the, the thing that the world hates most when they look at the church is hypocrites. Well, you say one thing and you do another. So, you, you know, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. So why should we trust or follow you? So one of the important things for believers in the church is to walk the walk and walk the talk. To live it, to be it, and, and to be sincere, and to have integrity in the way you live your life. The world notices. The world looks. That's why it's so bad uh, when if somebody's out in the community saying something bad about another believer, they, they go, why would I want to have any part of that? If I go to church there, all they'll do is rip on me in the community. So we need to walk the walk and we need to walk the talk. We need to be people of integrity, people that love not only the Lord, but people that love one another. And, and then as they went back, they, they developed the, the disciples. And, and to do that, a, a disciple, we talked about the difference between a convert and a disciple. And that a, a convert is one who believes and trusts in the Lord, but a disciple is one that isn't satisfied to just sit there and keep drinking the milk, but to start chewing on the meat, to, to grow in understanding, to obey and be obedient to God's word. And, and the, the work of, the, the, of uh, Paul and Barnabas as they were going back through their part in, in making the disciples was to strengthen them, to encourage them, to ground the believers in the word so that they could continue to grow. And then after that, uh, they appointed the elders. The church needed leadership. And then they returned to Antioch and reported there. 
Uh, right at the end of chapter 14, verse 27 says, When they arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. At the end of verse 27, he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. That's what they were. I mean, that, that's primarily who they, they, they weren't in, they weren't in, the Jewish territory in Judah, and, and they, there were some Jews in the cities they went to, but they were primarily taking the word of God to the Gentiles. And that is the bone of contention that comes up in chapter 15. Um, there are whole books written on chapter 15, and, and it, it befuddles me, and it's probably, again, my oversimplistic mind. But chapter 15 is not that difficult, but yet it was very important that it happened the way that it, that it did so that it would be established and that there wouldn't be any question, although I, I think that when Christ died and rose again, the question was answered, but for some people it wasn't, and so they had what's called the Council at Jerusalem. And, and to, to, I guess to clarify, again from verse 27 of chapter 14, how that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Chapter 15, some men, now, okay, some men, these men were not part of the brotherhood, okay? They were not part of the brotherhood, otherwise it would have said some brethren came down, some other believers. But there's the distinction to be made because some men were not of the truth. They were not of the brotherhood of the truth, um, or of then, as they said, the way. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. Ooh, slam on the brakes right there. We're going to keep going. We'll come back to it, but that's... That's a showstopper right there, but verse 2. When Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren, okay, now the believers in the church at Antioch, because that's where they are, determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Therefore, being sent on their way to the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and were bringing great joy to all the brethren, those of the brotherhood, those of like faith, those that trusted in Jesus Christ as their means of salvation. Verse 4, when they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But certain ones of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them. Oh, and, and we're going to add some more. And to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Well, what have we been saying through the whole book of Acts? That Christ fulfilled the, Christ fulfilled the law? Christ fulfilled the... And Christ fulfilled... Okay, we're going to look at some of that again today in the Old Testament. But why in the world do they have to go over and hash this out again? It's already been decided and determined. And, and, and the, I mean, the, the trip that, that Paul and Barnabas just got back from took, was, you know, they, they say probably two years. They don't, they don't have any, well, 
dates or calendars or journals that said we left here on this date and we returned on this date, but they're estimating that the time that they were gone is two years. And if you think back earlier in, chapter, in, in Acts, if you remember when, when uh, Philip, after he met the, the Ethiopian and, and talked to him on the chariot and explained the gospel to him, how he was transported, and he ended up in Samaria preaching to the unsaved Gentiles, and they, they, they were accepting and believing what, what was said. And, and if you remember Peter and John, they, the, the apostles back in, in Jerusalem heard about it. And so they sent Peter and John. And Peter and John got down there. They prayed on them. And, and the Holy Spirit came upon them just like he had come upon the Jews in Acts 1.8. So why? I mean, this has been going on for years. And, and why? Just to go to prove that Satan never gives up. He's always going to try to put a stick in the spoke and make you flip off the bike. He's never going to give up. He's, he's got his day coming, and he knows it. He's already lost. But he's got his day coming. And he doesn't like that, so he's going to keep doing everything and anything he can to steer people away from the truth, to steer people away from the Word of God even though they know the truth and they know what's going on. Let's go back briefly in verse 1. Some men, we've already discussed that, came down from Judea. Now, Judea, it's going to be really small on this map, okay? If you've got a Bible map at the back of your Bible, look, look there. But Gaza is down here, and it kind of goes across to the bottom of the Dead Sea. And then the... Up on the coast a little further, you have Joppa. And if you follow that east, it's kind of to the north, just approximately to the north part of the Dead Sea. Very approximate. It's about 56 miles by 56 miles is the area of Judah or Judea. I learned something this week that, that, they, that the people that named that were the, actually the Persians because they knew that the Jews were lived there and the stuff that came out of there was Jewish. You say um, that's an adjective. And so if it, if it was a Jewish book or a Jewish house, it's modifying a noun, so it's an adjective. And the Jewish people came from Judah or Judea there. And the, the Persians actually named it that. I thought that was interesting. But when the... the, the Persians were no longer in charge and it was more under the control of Rome. Antioch was the political center that was controlling that area. So then they, they went from being under the, the, the Persians and then the Babylonians. Now they're under the, the Roman authority. Uh, but that's just a small area. And it's interesting because we in, in my mind, I always think if you're going up, you're going north. But here it says that they went down. So they went down from Judea. And what's in the middle of Judea? Jerusalem. And who's in Jerusalem? The Pharisees. But they come down. They say they go down, which they went up to Antioch. But geographic, the topography, top, is that topography? Yeah, if you got a map, you got to, they, they physically went down. And now they're going to go back up to Jerusalem here. Just to give you a little background, a little understanding where He's saying that they came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. Let's talk about the circumcision for a couple minutes here. 
Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. And I know in Acts there are mentions Moses, but it goes back even further than Moses than that it starts with Abraham. Sorry, I'm really dry today. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth to your country, from your relatives and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so shall you be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse. And to you and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The beginning of the, the Abrahamic covenant um, where God says that he's going to raise his nation through him. Uh, Chapter 15, 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O Lord God, wilt thou give me, since I am childish, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram said, Since thou hast given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look towards the heaven, count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed the Lord, and he reckoned it to him for righteousness. And just a couple more pages to chapter 17. Abram was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I will make you a father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come forth. I will establish my covenant between you and me and your descendants after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and your descendants after you the land of your sojourners, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Verse 9. Genesis 17, 9. God said further to Abraham, Now, as for you, you shall keep my covenant and your descendants and you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between you and me. And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised through your generation. A servant who is born in the house or who is brought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants. A servant who is born in your house or who is brought with you with your money shall surely be circumcised. Thus shall my covenant be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Anybody know why it was the eighth day? 
and you can't answer, Dan. Yep, you're both right, okay? And, and this is so cool because God was teaching biology before man ever thought about biology. On the eighth day, God created and set it up that a little boy's body produces a huge amount of vitamin K on that day. Yeah, so? Anybody know what vitamin K is? Blood clotting. So when the little boy is circumcised, he doesn't bleed to death. Because God created it and set it up. Isn't that neat? People would say, oh, that's evolution for you. <laughs> that's not even worth saying baloney to. That's just nuts. But God set it up that on the eighth day, the little boy's body produces a huge amount of vitamin K. And God knew that when he created us and set it up, that that is why he told them on the eighth day, that's when you circumcise the boys, is on the eighth day. So, this, this covenant is, is back to Abram, and Abram is seven or eight generations removed from Noah. Okay? Now, that's, that's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of two to three to four hundred years. They lived longer back then. But jump forward to 49 AD when the Jerusalem Council is meeting to discuss this issue, whether they need to be circumcised. They're saying these, you, these, these Gentiles have to become Jews before they can become Christians. And that's not the way God set it up. God set it up that if you have faith in Jesus Christ and you believe in what he did for you, you're saved. Okay? Nothing else. There's no other requirements. Oh, for over 2,000... Now, we, we got to get in the mindset and under, cut them a little slack and understand just a little bit. But these Jews, for over 2,000 years have been practicing this. Okay, and I was supposed to start my sermon with this. How many of you like change? How many of you love change? How many of you were excited when we decided to bring the old church building down? Uh-huh. Well, that was a great change that we were all looking forward to, right? And, and I, I remember when we were candidating, they, one of the questions we got was, are you ready for a building project? And I looked back at you all and said, are you ready for a building project? Because I understood what the ties that were there to that. So, it, it, you know, change isn't something that we're all excited about. How many of you are 2,000 years old? So none of you, none of you have been, you know, okay. Um, how many of you look? No. Um, <laughs> that church building was built in the 50s. Is that right? Late 40s. Late 40s? Okay. What's that? Sue? 39. Was that, the, was that the building that they met in that was on our annual church thing, or did they actually start building in 39? Because I'm told that, that the building that was on our annual church 
report this year was a, a store that used to be kind of on this location right here before they started building that way up, up front there. Okay, so let's say it's been 80 years, just a round, round figure, 80 years. These guys have been doing this for 2,000 years. It's kind of who they are. It's kind of a habit. And so you'd think that it's difficult to make changes in our day-to-day -day lives of things that are a lot simpler. The Jews have been doing this for 2,000 years. They've been doing it to their slaves. They've been doing it to their sons to, to indicate that they're Jewish, that they're part of the, the tribes and the clans of the Jews. So it's a difficult thing to get rid of in, in, your, in your mind. And so you've you got to kind of understand. And, and we cut these guys just a little bit of slack here, okay? Just not much. Don't give them too much. But just a little bit of slack for understanding that this has been something that's been going on and on and on. So um, let's see here. Turn with me, and here, okay, that's one aspect of it, is how, how strongly it's entrenched in the Jewish people. Turn to Isaiah chapter 60 with me, if you would. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you, and nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. That, that word nations there, it's, it's when you're, he's talking to the Jews, so it's when, when you understand the reference that it's nations it's it's the other people not you and so in this case it's the gentiles when in the old testament where it's referring to the nations it, it's referring to gentiles to the non-jews okay and then you you can just write this down the scripture that i read this morning was isaiah 42 1 through 13 and in that in that reading he he talks about the nations again or the gentiles and basically what he's telling the Jews is that that light is going to come to the Gentiles at some point. At some point in the future, the light is going to come to the Gentiles. Now, I, I think that if you asked a Jew, a Jewish historian or a Jew that was, was growing up 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, if you asked a Jew then, what, 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 what's the, the basic tenet of, of what you're taught? in, in your, your classes or school, and when you start learning, being taught your religion, your, the, the, the religious truth of the, the law, um, what, what, what is, I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee you they'd say circumcision before they ever said the light's going to go to the nations, the light's going to go to the rest of the world. And, and the, the time in the Old Testament that's spent on, on circumcision is a lot more time in space spent in the word of God itself talking about circumcision and what it meant to the Abrahamic covenant and then to as it was forwarded to Moses and the Mosaic covenant it was that that was a lot bigger part of what they were taught than just the few verses that we've read this morning on the light going to the nations but the prophets we talked about Christ fulfilled the law the temple and the, the prophecies 
the prophets prophesied and are telling us here that the light is going to go to the nations. The light is going to go to the Gentiles. It's not going to be just for you through, all, through the rest of time as we know it on this earth. This light is going to be open to the Gentiles. So they, they were told, of course, we know they were told about Messiah coming and they turned his back on him. So it's, it's you know, it's what you're used to hearing all the time. It's what is up front. What was up front and bold and in their face all the time was you got to be circumcised to be a Jew. Not, it wasn't up, full, up front and bold in their face all the time that the light is going to come to the Gentiles as well. So there, there's two things playing against each other here. is the Jewish history and their lack of love for the Gentiles, so we, shall we say? Okay, um, turn with me to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 8. If you, the easiest way to find that is you go backwards from Matthew to Malachi and then Zechariah. That'll be the quickest way to find Zechariah. It's one of those little books that doesn't have a lot of pages, so you can flip past it six times and not see it. But it's easy, Matthew to Malachi to, to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 8, verses 20 to 22. Thus says the Lord of hosts, It will yet be that peoples will come, even the inhabitants of many cities, and the inhabitants of one will go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will also go. So many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. There it is again, the nations. Many people and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Okay, go back with me to Acts chapter 15 now. Some men will come down from Judea, and it doesn't give us the details again there, but dollars to donuts, it was the Pharisees in Jerusalem, because Jerusalem's in Judea, that egged these guys on to go up, up to Antioch, or, or excuse me, down to Antioch, to cause some grief for Paul and Barnabas, because word's gotten back to Jerusalem now that Paul and Barnabas have returned from their missions trip, they gave their report, and they've continued there the last verse of chapter 14. They spent a long time with the disciples there in Antioch. And so the Pharisees are going to do what they can, but they're, they're going to send the, you know, they're not going to go themselves. That would be too much of a bother. They're going to hire some guys to, to go up there and spread the, the falsehood that unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So verse 2, there's a great discussion there. And the brothers in the church, the brotherhood that are of, of the faith, because you can have brotherhood not of the faith. Um, I know there's a, a big series out years ago about Band of Brothers, and it was uh, a group of brothers, and, and they're fighting in World War II. Well, this, the, you, so you can have a, that was a band of brothers that had absolutely nothing to do with salvation or Jesus Christ. So you can have a, a, a band that's otherwise, but here uh, in verse 2, 
the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others should go up to Jerusalem concerning this issue. Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia, Samaria, described in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, which I, I don't know if these uh, inver- the, the some men from verse 1 were traveling back to Jerusalem with them or not, but if they were, it had to you know, just really hit and stick in their gull that, that Paul and Barnabas were taking their time on their way back to Jerusalem to stop in Phoenicia and Samaria and, and continue to preach the word. Don't know if they were with them or not, but the important thing was Paul and Barnabas thought that that was more important than just rushing to Jerusalem. They wanted to keep teaching and spreading the gospel to the Gentiles. Verse 4, they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles, and they reported all that God had done with them. Certain ones of the sect of the Pharisees had believed stood up saying it's necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Do you remember earlier in Acts, when, when we, we, it was like every Sunday we were pushing that Christ had fulfilled the law and Christ had fulfilled the temple because it was so hard for the Pharisees to get that through their noggins. And, and the Pharisees didn't want the people to believe the truth and know the truth because then, remember, we said they, they themselves would become irrelevant. If the temple was irrelevant, they would become irrelevant. And they took all their pride and their arrogance and, and thought that they were so puffed up and smart and knowledgeable because they were the center of the religious structure of, of the Jews. And you've got to come to the temple. And you've got to listen to what we Pharisees say about what's going to go on here. We're important stuff here. Now, if Jesus Christ really died for our sins and rose again from the dead... The temple has no meaning anymore. You don't have to go to the temple to sacrifice for your sins. Remember when Christ, at the moment that Christ breathed his last, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. And it was ripped to signify and to tell tell the Jews, you now have direct access to to God, to the Holy of Holies. You don't have to go through the priest anymore. The priest only went in there once a year. We have direct access. It's open. We all have direct access to God the Father. We can go to him all the time, every time, any time. With our needs, with our wants, with our praise, with, with anything. Each of us individually have access. Pharisees didn't want to hear it. Because if everybody's got access, they didn't need the Pharisees anymore. Now, and we talked about this when when, um, Paul and Barnabas went on their missions trip. The further away they got from Jerusalem, there were still some Jewish synagogues. But you didn't have the, the, they may have been some of the, the sect of the Pharisees there, but they weren't concentrated in controlling power like they were in Jerusalem. So it wasn't as... uh, what do I say, as strong when they, were, when they were traveling away from Jerusalem, but where are they going now? They're going right back to Jerusalem. And the more the things change, the more they stay the same, right? These guys are still causing grief in Jerusalem. It is nece- in verse, uh, Acts 15, verse 5, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Time out. Houston, we have a problem. 
we have a big problem here. Because what they're saying is what God did is not enough. We say the work of Christ, what Christ did, finished the work for our salvation. They say, no, 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 it's not. He was not God. What Christ did on the cross was not adequate for your salvation or my salvation. You got to be circumcised and yet, oh yeah, you still have to obey the law. What? Uh-uh. That doesn't work. I, I, I want to just say something briefly, and, and it's not to poke anybody in the eye, um, but I want you all to understand where I'm coming from. Uh, the last couple of summers, uh, I believe it's been in August, uh, there's been a group of, I believe, Christians that love the Lord, although I think they're a little misguided, that come up from downstate and they hold a concert in the park over here. And uh, they asked, they, they came to Nama and approached us and asked what churches wanted to participate, support it. The, the thing that I, I like that they do is they preach the word of God and then if somebody comes forward to make a decision at the end of their time, they try to direct them to a church in the area so that there's the contact. They just don't hit and run. They, they, they want, if somebody wants to make a decision for Christ, they want them to connect with the church. And I get that, and I really appreciate about their ministry. The hang-up I have is that they start out, the first 15 minutes of their concert is they play the world's music. They'll sing songs by Led Zeppelin or Aerospace or some of the other ones. And they assure us that they, they're, they're very careful with the songs that they pick so that they don't have any really nasty or dirty lyrics in them. But what they're telling, what, what I get from that is they're saying, God, you are not enough. Your Holy Spirit is not enough to bring the people to the park to hear the presentation of the gospel that he wants to hear the presentation of the gospel. We have to draw, since the Holy Spirit isn't powerful enough, we have to draw them in with the world's music. And then after 15 minutes, then they'll switch to Christian music and gospel music that, that, had, that, that shares the light. I don't like the bait and switch. And in conversations back and forth with them, they said, well, well Pastor, Jesus fed the people and he drew, he drew. Ah, no, 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 no. They sat there for three days listening to him preach. Then he fed them. They didn't come for the food, and then he spilt a sermon over on them. Okay, and so if, if you guys go to that, I, I, I'm not going to say anything or whatever, but I just want you to understand why we as a church are not going to participate that and why I'm not going to go to that. It's because just, just exactly what the Pharisees are telling the Jews here is that God's work wasn't enough for your salvation. God is not enough. And, and I, I just... I just, it just bothers me and concerns me that a Christian group sings the world's songs to bring people in so then they can spill the gospel over on them. Now be up front. Tell people. The Holy Spirit will bring the ones that he wants to hear the word. And then you'd have another church in town supporting you and getting the word out more. Sorry, my little soapbox for the day. We have to, and that's part of that, that, that point number two in building of the church, the integrity, to walk the walk and walk the talk. I'm sorry, to me that doesn't walk the walk. doesn't walk the talk. We have to be true to the word of God. We have to believe what it says, and we have to have faith in God that we know that he is enough. His Holy Spirit is enough 
to accomplish the work that he sets it out to do, Isaiah 55. His word is not going to come back until it accomplishes what he set it out to do. But we've got to put his word out there. Not the, not the shade of the world, just to get people in. Well, they say, well, people driving by will, you know, oh, I know that song, let's go, whatever. Now, sorry, that doesn't cut it with me. Preach the truth, teach the truth, and the people will come, okay? But here, they're trying to add, they're trying to add stuff that shouldn't be. One, one has said that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Amen? Amen? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And our problem here, in, in, like I said, we'll, we'll cut the Jews just a tiny bit of slack here. Um, you know, maybe not that much, a little less maybe. That for 2,000 years, their, their history and everything about them is you have to be circumcised to be a Jew. Well, now you have Gentiles that, that the gospel is going to. You have Gentiles that are hearing the word of God. They don't have the history that the Jews have of 2,000 years of a different way. To them, they're seeing that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Not as the Jews are seeing that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the Jews. The Gentiles open their eyes and new converts view Jesus as the Savior of the whole world. And, and this is a, a difference that is major, that, that has to be addressed, and has to be understood. This, and that's why, that's why the council met, and, and I think that's why God put it in his word, was so that we can understand, and, and we should have before now anyhow, okay? We, we should have long before this point, uh, of the Council of Jerusalem in AD 49. But to, to get it on the record and to make a deal. Now, my goal is in the next two weeks that we're going to make it through the chapter 15 before I, we go on vacation. Um, and in that time, next week, uh, will, in, this, in this scenario of chapter 15 in the Council of Jerusalem, there's four different meetings or events that happen. We'll break those down next week. Um, Peter's going to preach first. Uh, and then Paul and Barnabas have a little clip in there again, and then Paul takes over. And they each have their chance to say, and then James steps in too. And, and so there's a lot going, a lot of moving pieces here, a lot going on. But the bottom line, the, the bottom line to this whole chapter, and I believe to all God's word, is that God is sufficient. God is enough. All we need is to believe in what he did for us in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's finished. It's done. There's nothing more we can do. The will of God and the word of God are inseparable. The Bible is our ultimate authority. And if you look in 17.2, one of my favorite verses of in Acts that I keep bringing, bringing up, and according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. He didn't reason, reason with them from any other thing other than the scriptures. He didn't pull out, I don't want to use names because I'm not trying to, he, he didn't pull out Pastor so-and-so's study Bible or so-and-so's theological study on Acts. He pulled out God's word. 
and he reasoned with them from God's word. And that's what we need to rely and trust on is God's word. Because that is truth. We talk about, in, in closing, we, we talk about as far as to build out, we say, God, what is your plan? And, and right now, there's no movement in that direction because God is not leading us to, to be dumping money into our building fund. And that's okay because that's God's plan. And when it is his plan that we build, then you're all going to open your wallets and your checking accounts and throw money in that building fund because that'll be how God's going to supply it when, when it's God's plan. But we need to pray, God, what is your plan for us? Not, God, here's our plan, bless it please, Fill, you know, put money in the offering so that we can do this. No. We need to pray, God, what is your plan? And maybe his plan is that we never build back there. I'm okay with that, too. Because if it's his plan, I better be okay with it because he's not really asking me whether he cares what I think or not. And it's the same thing here. You don't, you don't say, okay, here's what I believe. Now, let's see, I've got to find some scriptures to match that and to agree with my point. And I'm sure I can find something here that, that you know, says that, that rainbows will fly upside down from now on. I can find some scriptures in here that agree with that, right? No. We go to God's word and we find out what God teaches us. We don't say, God, this is what I believe. Now, I'm going to find some of your words that match and agree with what I think. That's, that's, that's backwards thinking. That's wrong thinking. It's the way Satan would like us to think. But as we go forward, God, what is your plan? Show us your plan. Lord, show us in your word what truth is. Show us that we know that God is sufficient. I don't need to be circumcised. I don't need to become a Jew to be a Christian. I don't need to keep the Mosaic law or the Abrahamic law to be a Christian. You know, they say, oh, faith in God, but, 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 but. No. It's done. It's finished. What he did for us is enough. We can, we can rest in that. We can, we can take the promise from his word. And we're going to see in, in the rest of, of Acts chapter 15. Some apostles and, and some disciples teaching and preaching about God is enough. What he did for us. It's, it's again, that, that mathematical equation. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Because guess what? It's all about him. It is all about him. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises in it. Thank you for the peace, the comfort, the strength that we can take in it to, to become disciples, to learn to stand firm, to learn to be obedient, to learn to care more about you than we do about us. Because, Father, we know, and it's true, it's all about you. Thank you for what Jesus did for us. Thank you for your great love for us that you gave your son so that we might have salvation and eternal life. 
only because of what you did for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for loving us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.